to Ambulate Cum Nobis, your hiking companions on the road to heaven. My name is Ruck. And I'm Allie. Today on Ambulate Cum Nobis, we will be talking about family life. Today we will mostly be focusing on the sacrament of matrimony and the mother and father. And in a later episode, we will go more into the structure of family life and the dangers that are presented to families and how they can be overcome. But today we will mostly be focusing on matrimony and motherhood and fatherhood and those vocations. But before we get into it, let us pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O Saint Joseph, do assist me by your powerful intercession and obtain for me from your divine Son all spiritual blessings through Jesus Christ our Lord, so that having engaged here below your heavenly power, I may offer my thanksgiving and homage to the most loving of fathers. St. Joseph, pray, for, pray us. for us. Venerable Fulton Sheen, pray, for, pray us. for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, the patron saint of today is St. Eulalia of Barcelona. However, there is very little to be said on this saint. All we know about her is that she was a martyr during the Diocletian era. It was martyred at 13 or 14, and it's usually confused with another Saint Eulalia. So instead, Ali's going to tell us about Saint Joseph, the patron saint of families. Yes, as Rock said, he is the patron saint of family as well as marriage. Um, he was married to um, our Heavenly Mother Mary. We don't hear much about Joseph in the Bible aside from his role as the Father of Christ. He never speaks, but he did play an important role in Jesus's life. Um, Joseph was engaged to Mary before the Annunciation. So when the angel appeared to Mary and she said yes, um, she had to tell Joseph that she was pregnant with Christ, which is kind of a wild thing to say. A lot of people would accuse her of adultery instead. And the punishment for that was often death. So Joseph, not wanting to expose her to shame when he found out, decided to divorce her quietly. However, um, at night, an angel appeared to him telling him the truth of what was to happen and that Mary had conceived and would give birth to Christ. So Joseph took her into his home and then proceeded to take her to Bethlehem where she gave birth to Christ. He's also responsible for helping Mary and Jesus to escape to Egypt um, when King Herod had planned to kill Christ in order to avoid him from being overthrown as king. If you think about it too, St. Joseph also provided Christ with his education because at the time, at age 13, that's the Jewish coming of age, that's when they'd begin to start learning a trade, usually that of their father. And Christ would, was a carpenter, and Joseph taught him all he knew uh, about carpentry, which is really cool when you think about it. And Jesus was a carpenter all the way up until age 30. So another thing, he, he was just a great father. And as a good example to fathers or to you who feel called to becoming a father out there, St. Joseph never says a word. All we have are his actions. We've always heard that actions speak louder than words. And St. Joseph was a man of actions. Anyways, today we're going to be focusing on the family and vocations of a mother and father. But we won't go into the duties of a mother and father today or the role of children in a family but or the basic structure of a family. Today we'll 
basically discuss what is marriage, what, what does marriage entail, and is that the vocation you are called to? So to start off, we should probably define what is marriage exactly, especially today. It's a term that's often thrown around. And yes. Sometimes when it's commonly used, we lose the actual definition of the word. Let's clear something up before we get going. Words have an internal meaning. The meaning does not change. The way the word is used can change. Marriage cannot be redefined. It is a constant, if you will. The government cannot tell you what marriage means. It's not for them to decide what it is. And since I don't remember what year it was, the legalization of, of so-called gay marriage, which isn't marriage, it's heresy. Mar marriage is a word which people use to mean, they use it to, des to describe their evil. They, they try to turn their evil into a good. Marriage is a good, but people have been slandering the name. So let's get to what it really means. According to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, marriage is the matrimonial covenant by which a man and a woman establish between themselves a partnership of the whole life, is by its nature ordered towards the good of the spouses and the procreation and education of offspring. This covenant between baptized persons has been raised by Christ the Lord to the dignity of a sacrament. The definition is important and fundamental, so much so that it's been raised to sacrament level. So. Let's discuss what that means because that's kind of a complex definition. Mm. And if you got it, good. Uh, we're going to do it anyways. <laughs> I do we like want to take it piece by piece? Or? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think we should do that. I like unpacking right. things. <laughs> so how about we start with, it's a matrim um, it is a covenant marriage. Um, a covenant is a promise. Um, we see covenants a lot in um, the Old Testament specifically, such as the Ark of the Covenant, promises made between God and the Israelites, I believe. Yeah. Um, a promise that they will reach their promised land and a promise that the Israelites will worship Christ and that they won't, and they, they follow the Ten Commandments given to them by God. Another very important thing to understand, especially today, is that Marriage is the matrimonial covenant between a man and a woman. And we'll go into more about that in a later episode and, and why, why it's, that's important. If you're listening right now and you don't fully agree or you don't fully understand what we're saying, that's okay. We're not trying to patronize in any way. And even if you have different ideas or beliefs, that doesn't make us not care about you or love you any less. And we will still be here to walk with you. We, will, we want to bring you in to God's loving family. We want you to be loved. We want you to know God's love. So we're with you all the way. Another part of the matrimonial covenant is it says uh, that it is a partnership of the whole life. So it extends an entire lifetime until death do us part. And we'll go into the rest of this definition later about raising children. And we'll focus more on the sacrament today. So then what does the sacrament entail? What does it mean to be called to be a mother or a father? How, how do you know? All of these things come into play. How do you discern? The discernment for a family life is much different than 
discernment for religious or the priesthood. And so we'll get into uh, the different parts of marriage and the vocation of motherhood or fatherhood. Firstly, marriage entitles freedom. That way you can make consent. Mm -hmm. Marriage is a free choice. Like we talked about in one episode about vocations, your vocation is a choice that God has given you. It is a calling, and you have to choose to accept that calling. So I don't know how many of you have read the book series, um, Series of Unfortunate Events. Oh, yes. I do know that one. That's one of my favorite book series, actually. Really? It's pretty good. Mm -hmm. It's very confusing and very funny. (laughs) Lemony Snicket is a great author. (laughs) Yeah. You know he's not real. Well, the name is fake, but like it's still yeah, right, the yes. author. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Handler is the guy behind Lemmy Snicket. Oh, is that it? Mm-hmm. I, who? Not it. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, I don't know if you've ever read the book series. They made a miniseries out of it recently. Netflix did. Um, mm-hmm. But in the first book, uh, Count Olaf tries to marry one of the main characters, Violet, Violet, right? There's two things with that. Why it could not be a valid marriage in the church, in the church. In order for a marriage to be valid, it has to be in the church. Um, And the way the movie presents it, it's all by law. But we're going to use that as an example for the church. Violet did not have the freedom, nor did she have consent. So she didn't have freedom because... She was like forced to obey, right? And she didn't give consent because that's just weird. Yeah, she was 14. Right. (laughs) Not to mention she had a sister. um, For those of you, spoiler alert, for those of you who haven't read the book. If you haven't um, read the book, plug your ears. (laughs) Um, The reason that she was forced to go through with this was because Count Olaf had kidnapped her youngest sister, Sunny, and had threatened to kill her if Violet refused. So that's great. Wonderful husband material right there. Yeah. Okay, you can unplug your ears. If you were driving, I hope you didn't plug your ears. (laughs) And if not, and you were driving and you haven't read the book series or you haven't seen the TV series, we're sorry. So consent is represented in the I do, right? I believe there are other various places where consent is given. Mm -hmm. And those are... That's not just consent, but once consent has been given, it is a vow. It cannot be broken, except in very special circumstances, in which case it talks, in in which it's an annulment, which invalidates the vow, says the vow wasn't valid in the first place. So consent and freedom, and then there cannot be anything else impeding it under ecclesiastical law. So I don't think you can get married if you're in a state of mortal sin. I don't know what else would impede a marriage. Through Ecclesiastes, I guess if you're already married, you can't get married again. I don't know if there are any other impediments. I think you have to wait. If you you, uh, were married once and you have an annulment by law, you need, by church law, you need to wait at least three days before getting married again. I don't know of any more. Do you know of any? No, not that I'm aware of. Um, yeah, the main one that I've heard of is just you can't be previously, you can't be married and then receive another marriage. 
Yeah. Um, one thing that comes to mind, another book that we could reference is um, Jane Eyre. I don't know if you've read that. Mm-mm. What's it um, about? It's about um, a character named Jane Eyre. It's written by Charlotte Bront. Um, and, oh. and it goes through the life of a girl named Jane and how her parents died when she was young. She had um, an aunt who was very cruel to her and sent her away to a boarding school. And it kind of talks about her life. And once again, spoilers if you haven't read the book. Go on ahead. Um, I don't know if I'll ever read it. She becomes the governess to a ward of a man named Mr. Rochester. I'm sorry if I mispronounced these names. Um, And they fall in love and they decide to get married. But then at the last minute, it is discovered that Mr. Rochester is already married. And that he had been, his wife was um, mentally ill. And so he hid her away from the rest of the world and told no one of his previous marriage. There's a lot and of Sherlock in- Holmes stories like that. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of crazy. <laughs> and one thing that I find interesting about that is that Jane clearly loved him and she wanted very badly to be with him. But upon realizing his situation, she ran away and began a new life. She refused to put herself or him in that situation where they would be married while he was still married. Um, in the end, she did not end up mar- She did end up marrying him, but that was only when his wife had um, passed away. Or did she? No, she she lit fire to their house and um, oh. jumped off the roof. So yeah. Yeah, that, that'll do it. Okay. <laughs> uh, here's what the catechism says about discernment for marriage. So that the I do of the spouses may be a free and responsible act, and so that the marriage covenant may have a solid, lasting human and Christian foundations, it is very important to prepare for marriage. And like you said in Jane Eyre, is that the book's name? Yes. Like it sounded like they had done a lot of preparation Yep, they waited, um, he proposed, and then they, I think it was a couple of months before they officially got married. Yeah, so it sounds like they had done preparation and things, and then she found out, mm-hmm. oh, you're married, and decided, no, you're, you're nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's very important that there's preparation and understanding of what marriage is between two people before they get married. And the catechism says, so that the I do of the spouses may be a free and responsible act, and so that the marriage covenant may have a solid and lasting human Christian foundation. Preparation for marriage is of prime importance. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is extremely important that much prayer and discernment goes into that. I don't remember. I, I think I had seen some stats somewhere of like divorce numbers, and it was huge, right? Mm-hmm. That's probably because people did not go through the proper discernment period. And so they figured out like into marriage after it had already been made final, oh, this doesn't work. Well, too late. (laughs) (laughs) But it, it is extremely, it is extremely important that much discernment and prayer go into preparing for marriage. You'd said your uncle was in seminary at one point. 
Yes, he was. I don't remember much about about it. I believe that he he had been discerning the priesthood. And then I think he might have been in college when he met my aunt. So he went through a lot of preparation. If he was discerning the priesthood and decided against yep. it and went towards marriage, there's a lot of preparation in that, especially if he thought at one point, oh, yeah, I'm going to be a priest. I think that's what I'm being called to. Mm-hmm. Well, then through prayer and preparation, he found God's calling was to marriage. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about the marriage bond and the importance of that. The consent by which the spouses mutually give and receive one another is sealed by God himself. From their covenant arises an institution confirmed by the divine law, even in the eyes of society. The covenant between the spouses is integrated into God's covenant with man. Authentic married love is caught up into divine love. It says here, when, when you make a vow, the vow is sealed by God, like the Ark of the Covenant. That was a physical sealing of the vow. It was God sending the Ark of the Covenant. Wait, no, it wasn't. He didn't send the Ark of the Covenant. He sent he the said, manna and the commandments. And the Ten Commandments, too. The commandments was a sealing of his covenant. The Ark was mm-hmm. built by... Was the builder of the Ark's name Jesus as well? It might have been. I, I'm not sure. I don't know either. I don't remember. If any of you listeners know, or you know somebody who might know, go and find out. Don't don't trust us on that one. That's another thing I guess we're going to have to learn as well. Why do I think it was? No, maybe that was... No, that was like the writer of the Book of Wisdom, I think his name was Jesus also. Um, I found a piece of scripture from, it looks like it's from Deuteronomy. This is online, so I'm not sure if it's completely accurate. If you have a Bible on you, Rock. Yeah, let me uh, check check that. Got to find a little bookmark for my catechism here. Of all the things in this office, (laughs) can't find something small enough to, here we go. I was just about to try to offer you a piece of paper. (laughs) Recording online doesn't quite work that way. (laughs) I've done that several times now where I'm like, oh, wait, you can just hear. You can just borrow my book. Wait. I know. Don't you hate it when that happens? Yep. Um, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 3 through 4. I can find Deuteronomy. Do you know what book it's after? I don't know if I'm getting close. Numbers. After Numbers, okay. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then I think Joshua. Oh, well, I'm way far away. I've never actually read the entire Bible. Me neither. I want to, though. Yeah, me too. I've tried. Mm-hmm. Well, there's Judges. Okay, so I'm, I've read bits and pieces. What mm-hmm. the? Josu, a lot of king of. When I was in middle school, our teacher had us um, memorize all of the books of the Old Testament in order. Oh, cool! I think I did that once. I think I did. I don't know if I. 
No, I did New Testament. New Testament's way easier. Yeah. Chapter 10, verse what? Three through four. And I made an ark of setum wood. And chiseled two stone tablets like the first ones. Yeah. Is that what it? So here it says Moses, like it has Moses in the brackets. Maybe Moses did make the ark. That would make the most sense. Yeah. Wait. I really wish I remembered that. It's in Dr. Schmidicke's podcast talk with my dad. I don't remember. I had heard it on my dad's podcast about the ark builder. I don't know. It's. We could I don't think his name Hebrew. is Jesus then. I think it's probably Moses. That makes sense. No, wait, no, Israelites. Now, where did I put the catechism? There it is. What were we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Marriage and, and uh, vows, I think. Oh, right. We were talking about the covenant, and then we were trying to figure out who built it. And the new covenant is sealed with the body and blood of Christ is a physical sealing that we are reminded of and partake in hopefully every Sunday or more often in the sacrifice at the mass. Now let's talk about, uh, let's talk about the love and how, how marriage is, brings, brings a man and woman into quote, the authentic married love and how it is caught up into divine love. That's a very beautiful thing to think about, how, how deep that love is, that it is caught up into God's love. Should we talk about uh, is it the four loves? Is that, is that, isn't that a Lewis book? I think, it, I think so. I know I'm familiar with them. It. I know there's... Like agape is one of them. Agape is the is like divine love, right? Yeah, like pure, unconditional. Mm -hmm. And that is the love that happens in a true marriage. And that love's not just between the husband and the wife; it's a love between them and God as well. In mm -hmm. the sacrament of marriage, you're promising yeah. not just to love each other and stay with them, but you're promising to help them also build their relationship with Christ as well. And their children. They're and promising. Their it's like this huge cycle of love, right? Mm -hmm. Between the husband and wife and God and the children. We'll talk about that in the episode about the duties of a mother and a father. Their part of that love is educating and teaching their children well. Now, being human, we can't have perfect love. No matter what. Until we're in heaven. But through that love, they strive as hard as they can to glorify God and to love God and to bring the other one to heaven. And that's, that's really a beautiful thing when you think about it. I mean, you think of a priest who devotes his life and his actions to God, who is with God all the time. I mean, we're all with God all the time in our vocations. That's what our vocation is. is, to, is we're called to be with God all the time. So by following our path that God has chosen for us, we can, it, we're, 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 so long as we stay true to it, 
we're getting closer to heaven and, and to being with him all the time. And God accompanies us on the, that path. He's always with us. He's always there for us. No matter what, no matter where we are, no matter how much we sin, no matter the sin, he's always with us. The only time you lose God is if you go to hell. He's not there. Mm -hmm. That's that's such a scary thought to think of, just complete separation from Christ and God. That's the whole punishment of hell. There are other Mm -hmm. punishments within hell, but the greatest one is that you're never going to see God. Ever. And truly, deep down, that's what every human desires is to be with God, is to be with their creator, is to know him. It may take people longer than others. It may take education. It may take a friend coming up and telling you about it like we hope to do here. But ultimately, that's what, that's what people want. That's, they want love. God is love. And, and that love can be furthered through all of the sacraments and all of the vocations. And in matrimony, that love is towards your spouse and children and using and, and through that love, glorifying and loving God more. This, that, that's the perfect form of the love, right? And it's got to be pure, unconditional love, like you said. Agape. Uh, I don't know how many listeners out there will have read the Aeneid or any versions of the Aeneid, right? But Or I don't know if you're familiar with ancient Roman literature or ancient Greek history or ancient Roman history. This is kind of the spot between ancient Greek and ancient Roman. Dido um, thinks she loves Aeneas, you know, through Mm -hmm. Juno. That's not actually love. That's what is it? Eros, right? Jealousy. I think so. A jealous love. Eros, Mm -hmm. discord. Then there's like amastitia, friendship, and there's one more. I think the fourth one would be kind of like a possessive love. Would you consider it? Yeah, I I think that's what it is. I think it's like love for personal gain. I can't remember the word for it. Like I remember we talked about this a lot when we read um, Till We Have Faces um, by C.S. Lewis. That was good. O'Rule's love for her sister Psyche was very much a possessive love where it was like only... A rule wanted only Psyche and wanted Psyche to only want and need her. Right. Yeah. For her own good. Love, true love, agape, is not that. It is It is for the good of the other. It's Christ's love. He laid down his life for us, for our sins, for our forgiveness. That is what agape is, is completely laying down your life. And that is what the marriage vow finalizes and it is very important that people recognize that and now like i said you can't have perfect love on earth so there may be times when it's not that but you have to strive as hard as you can to make it perfect love christ is the example of agape right Mm -hmm. he's the source of 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 love in marriage and i think we talked about like a priest's role in the body of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. To administer the sacraments and to, to bring the sacrifice. Yeah. Well, uh, in the sacrament of marriage, there's a certain grace to, to married life, right? Just like the priesthood has its own place in the body of Christ, so does married life. 
and it is uh, it says in the Catechism in 1641, the grace proper to the sacrament of matrimony is intended to perfect the couple's love and to strengthen their in. Well, how do you pronounce that? Indissoluble. Indissoluble. Wow. And to strengthen their indissoluble unity by this grace, they help one another to attain holiness in their married life and in welcoming and educating their children. So you could think of it as married life is the duty in married life, their place in the body of Christ is as educators. I mean, all of us are called to be educators in different ways, but married life is the primary educators of the young and and to help one another attain holiness. Mm-hmm. So we had talked in our first episode about how how we're all called to be fishers of men, right? Well, married life in in married life, being a fisher of men means you help your spouse get to heaven and you teach your children how to get to heaven. A priest would be to help his congregation and we'll get into other vocations and, and their role in that too. I'm really excited when we get to brothers and monks and and mm-hmm. nuns and sisters. That's gonna be fun. And Christ is the source of this grace, the Catechism says in 1642, just as of old God encountered his people with a covenant of love and fidelity, so our Savior, the spouse of the church, now encounters Christian spouses through the sacrament of matrimony. So it, again, with it being a sacrament, that sacrament originates from Christ's love for us. And I guess you might say the reason that it's a sacrament is that love exists between a man and a woman and their children and God. And it's that same love that caused Christ to die for his people. So now um, talking about the discernment of marriage, um, this is one that's, I've never experienced it personally. Um, I'm only 18, so I'm not really in a rush. <laughs> well, let's um, talk about what we know, not necessarily from experience, yeah. right? We've not experienced discernment for marriage being in high school. Those of you in high school may not also be discerning marriage right now. You may not know your discernment. That's why we're that's why this first season is about is about vocations. We want you to know what vocations are. We want you to know about them and be educated on that subject. And we want to talk it through, even if not face to face, through just through podcast, just to help you along. Maybe it'll help maybe it won't. Maybe it won't help you. Maybe you'll already know. Maybe you already know what you're called to. Maybe you're on that road right now. Maybe you're not. Maybe you have no idea. I don't think I have an idea. I don't know. I think, you see, I, I don't have any set path right now. I don't know. I'm still discerning. So, I mean, we can know, we know at least about discernment processes, so we can at least give you our knowledge about that. And each discernment is such a, beautiful thing no matter which way you're called to marriage is such a beautiful unity between a man and a woman and creating a entire family a new life and the call to the priesthood is um, a beautiful way to help spread the word of christ and you're married to the church when you're a priest you're you've created this unity between yourself and the church and you're using that to spread his word and help inspire others which might inspire their own discernment mm-hmm so for the discernment of marriage, it is it, like, like we had talked about earlier, it is very important that many preparations are gone through, right? So getting for, for a man and a woman to get to know each other well, 
right? It's kind of necessary. And uh, you had mentioned like earlier, Joseph didn't even meet Mary, I think until their wedding day, right? I'm not sure about that. Um, I because mean, he couldn't divorce her that... unless, unless they were already married. Yeah, that's true. I'm not sure how marriage worked in Christ's time. I'd have to look into that. Well, in the Jewish culture of Christ's time, marriages were arranged from birth, mm-hmm. I think. I think from birth. Maybe not necessarily from birth. I think they might still be in some Jewish, more traditional Jewish cultures today. Marriages are arranged. Oftentimes, in Christ's time, the spouses would never meet each other until their marriage day. Mm-hmm. It doesn't exactly work that way now. As we talked about, freedom and consent, right? That's what's needed for a marriage to be valid. With arranged marriages, you don't have freedom and you may not necessarily have consent. So it is very important that that a man and a woman get to know each other well in order to start discerning marriage. And once they begin to discern, they should probably discuss it with counselors or, or a priest so that they can better understand the sacrament of marriage and so that they can better understand the duties of it a mother and a father so that they can better understand each other and their relationship with each other. I mean, you're not going to learn that from this podcast. Okay. You're not going to learn all that. You're going to need to discuss it with others. And it's, it's very important that that step not be skipped. And then there's the church has processes for this and I don't know what they are. Um, and then and then, of course, there's more. It's just all preparations, and most of that has got to be discussed with with um, with a priest or with counselors or both, and with your potential spouse. And it's very important that they all understand the love that goes on. Like like all discernment, it just takes a lot of prayer, mm-hmm. prayer and trusting in God. In this case, prayer with your potential spouse and praying that you will know God's plan, but you will follow his plan. I don't think we'll get into um, marriages between different churches. Um, yeah. I don't know much about those at all. I know the catechism has some on that, but I don't have a good understanding. So if you are wondering about that, sorry, I can't answer those questions. Do you know anything about No, I'm not very familiar. I have family that's um, outside of the Catholic Church, but... I don't know a lot about how marriages work exactly. Well, I mean, like between a Catholic and a non-Catholic, I don't know oh. any, and I don't know anything about that. Oh well, I kind of know about that. My mom actually—I think I've mentioned this before. My mom converted to Catholicism. I think it's off. I believe it's a rule that both, if you're to be married in the Catholic Church, both the husband, the both spouses should be Catholic and baptized. Yeah, I think you both have to be baptized. I think that's a criteria, but I don't think you necessarily have to be Catholic. You need to be baptized. That's part of the not impeded under ecclesiastical law, Mm -hmm. I think. I saw that in the catechism earlier today. But I mean, I don't know anything about that. Both my parents were converts and got married in the Catholic Church. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, sorry. (laughs) 
if you're listening and, and you were wondering about that, I'm sorry. If that is the case and you truly do love your spouse that much though, or, or your potential spouse that much, you should try to bring them in to the church. I read this interesting story about uh, this astronaut, actually, who was a convert to Catholicism. Um, and he was not Catholic, but his wife was. And they had agreed when they got married that his wife would ed- educate their children in the Catholic church. And he'd go along to mass with them. Uh, but he wasn't Catholic. And over the years, he, right, I don't remember if it was, I think it was two years or so, he really realized, oh man, yeah, this, this is, he began to understand Catholicism more. And he talked with his parish priest and, and um, his, his priest said, well, why do you want to become Catholic? And he's like, because I want to have a better understanding of my family and to get to know my family more and to love my family and be able to teach my children. And he's like, that's not a reason to become Catholic. And so he talked to him more about why he actually wanted to become Catholic and, and just becoming Catholic because you want to get to know your family more. Well, that's not a reason to become Catholic, right? The reason you become Catholic is because you love God and you want to be with him forever in heaven. And really, that's what he wanted. He just didn't know it at the time, right? He began to realize that. Um, this, the article was about how he brought the Eucharist up to space, though. So that was cool. I did not know that that had happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brought up the International Space Station. He had to get a bunch of different permissions for it. I think he was up there for two months. He had something like that, two months. Wow. But uh, pretty impressive. It's pretty. It's a pretty cool article. I think it's just very important that people understand what marriage is, the union between a man and a woman, in love with with God. Right? It's a vow sealed by God. I think it's important that they understand the preparation that goes into it, so that that love. And that vow can be valid and we'll get more into uh, the duties of a family and, and how that needs to be understood in the next episode. Just about discernment. Everyone's called to different things. So um, you're calling it. It may not be. Um, We encourage you to pray about it and think about it and know that um, you'll be in our prayers. And again, like we had said earlier, don't, don't be afraid to talk to your friends about discernment and vocations. Mm-hmm. Your friends have a vocation too. You can pray and go through it together. And especially if you are if you are out of high school and in college or if you are soon to go out of high school, really be praying about your vocation. It it's very important that you know what God is calling you to. I heard uh somebody say once you don't want to bump into your vocation. You don't want to accidentally back into your vocation. Like that shouldn't happen, right? You shouldn't, mm-hmm. you, you should know. And if you choose something, God will respect that choice. If you choose something that wasn't his original plan, he will respect that choice. But you should try and find his plan. It's the best one. So, <laughs> and another thing about discernment, everybody's, discernment process is going to look different. So when we, I mean, I guess it's glad, I guess it's a good thing that our topic was so vague on discernment, right? 
everybody's discernment is going to look different. Even when I, you look at the saints, all of their discernments were very different. Um, St. Faustina had, um, she was at a party and then she saw Jesus appear before her um, saying, how long will you put me off? And that was when she realized she needed to become a nun. Um, trying to think of other discernments now, because most of them, most of the saints appear in lightning, but then there are a lot of smaller discernments too, like, like parent, like our parents, my parents, at least. Blessed Solanus Casey. Um, he thought he was called to marriage. He was in the process of discerning marriage with somebody and, and he realized that wasn't his calling. And he went on to become a Capuchin friar. And I think he, I think he was the doorman because he wasn't very well educated so they put him as the doorman. And I think there's been a couple saints like that, but they're usually the most welcoming. And I really like Solanus Casey. He's my confirmation saint. He's from Detroit. Oh. <laughs> Quite cool. He lived in Detroit. I've actually got a friend who, whose great-grandfather knew Solanus Casey. He, he worked with him. <laughs> yeah, he worked with him in the soup kitchen which is quite, quite cool. But anyway, yeah, these, these are two great saints and both of their discernments were very different. So no two discernments are ever going to look the exact same. Well, I think on that note, we'll uh, wrap up here. Do you want to lead us in prayer? All right. Um, in the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy spirit. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, a world without end. Amen. Amen. St. Joseph, pray for pray us. Pray for us. Venerable Fulton Sheen, pray, pray for, for us. us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you later. Please know that you will be in our prayers, and we hope that we'll be in yours. Bye, everybody.